Hey, welcome everyone to the happiest episode of Onto Waveland, the Athletics Cubs podcast. I am your jovial host, Brett Taylor, here with my uh, thoroughly thrilled friends, Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney from The Athletic. Did I pull that off pretty well? That's I have a I have a thespian background, so I yeah. know how to turn it on. I just assumed you were living in an alternative universe for the past (laughs) six days. I wonder what it would have looked like if the Cubs had swept that series and what we'd be looking at them. uh, uh, I'm I'm so lost in like where they even were heading into that series because it was the outcomes were obviously so devastating. Three back of them. They were three back. Yeah, so they'd be up one and uh, right there with the Brewer. Oh, boy. That's that is such a crazy alternate universe to think about. <laughs> and then they would have got swept by the pirates, Brett. Don't do that. Oh, you know it. You know it. Um, that is funny. That like I I feel like the conversation actually today would not necessarily be that different if the Cubs were st- sitting atop the standings, having swept the Cardinals. We'd be looking ahead and thinking, okay, well, but this is when they pull out the big dong punch and you know just completely fall <laughs> apart. So. It, obviously, this weekend did not go that way, so we don't necessarily need to live in a world where things were different. It was a very close series in the sense that, uh, remarkably, the Cubs lost all four games by a single run. Uh, late shenanigans in the games that um, I think you could say were fluky. You know, you could look at any any five-game losing streak by which you lose by a single game. That obviously doesn't happen uh, in baseball very often. It's sort of a decades-long kind of situation. You could look at that very easily, and I think this this was kind of the um, the flavor of Joe Madden's comments after the latest one. You could look at that and say, hey, every single game is close, and sometimes you're going to lose the coin flip because baseball is just that's how it's played. And, uh, you know, it's just sort of fluky that all five went the wrong direction. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think do, you can. I, I was going to say, I think you, doing I mean, you that, can say that you could. Yeah. I oh, wouldn't. No, no. Um, come on. No. Give me. Come on. I'm, I'm setting things up here. Hombre. Take it. Take it easy. Take it easy. Uh, I think you could say that. I think doing so would uh, leave unspoken a lot of realities about the way you lose baseball games, um, both in the end and also in the many innings and situations and opportunities that run up to the very end of that game and in the decisions and preparations and protocols that were put in place many months and many years before those games come to a head. And so I think that while you could, at a very micro level, look at each individual game or even the series as a whole or even all five of those games as a whole and say, ah, baseball is going to bust you with the coin flip sometimes. You know, if one of those Nico Horner line drives at the end, it happened twice. If one of those finds grass, the Cubs win. Or if Albert Amora goes the right direction you know, on that one, maybe they win yesterday. You can do all that, but I think you just totally miss how perfect this series was in highlighting and underscoring the very issues that we've been talking about now for like a year and a half with this club. And that it almost feels like in a season where we kept talking about how the, the, the story is you're never going to find a perfect story for this team because of the highs and the lows are so extreme, et cetera, et cetera. 
I actually think maybe this series was the most perfect um, situation that we have seen all year for this team because it just it was like, yeah, you're close and you could say it's fluky, but actually I think doing so is just a disservice to to actually acknowledging the underlying issues and addressing them, which frankly they didn't late last year because I think everyone was sold on this idea that it's like, oh, 95 wins, uh, Brewers, we lost a couple coin flip games, it happens, let's try again next year. Well, dudes, my dudes, there needs to be something more than that. Now yeah, you can I mean, go it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's clear that they that there were major issues with this team when it comes to the small things. And when I say major issues, I, I mean, it. we didn't see these mistakes in years past. When when did these become issues? It's not quite clear, but they were glaring this year. I mean, from well, can we yeah, can we highlight just so just so we don't like blanket over comes most outs on the base in baseball. Is that right? I think that's right. Yep. Uh, top three or four in errors in baseball, which I know errors are not a perfect statistic when it comes to defense defense, but like they are mistakes. Like, so they, they, they show up. And so uh, it comes right up there. And those are two areas where it's, yeah, you just think of like as screw ups that hurt the team. Yeah, I mean, and you can just point, I mean, there's so many different games, so many different instances where those little mistakes were the difference. I mean, you can just go back to this weekend and think about the 5-4 extra inning loss, the first game that they lost, right? Didn't There was a there was an out on the base path from Schwarber that he shouldn't have made. There was an error on a single, I think, that ended up costing them a run uh, that that shouldn't have been made. It was a simple play that, that Schwarber should be making there. I mean, I, I hate to highlight Schwarber just because he's been so great offensively lately, and, and they probably wouldn't even be in this situation without him stepping up on offense of late. But that's just a microcosm of all these issues. Uh, Almora's play in center field is you know was it an easy play no but he's in the game for one reason and one reason only he's on the team right now for one reason and one reason only as a defensive replacement late in the game to keep those balls from going over your head from catching that's his job to catch that ball and and frankly I, I think maybe maybe Hayward would have caught that ball and and Almora didn't and that's that's a huge mistake and that changes even the smallest of chance that they had remaining of, of getting into the playoffs. Uh, so they, they add up and it shows just how much, how big of a deal 2016 was that perfect defense every day, there would be something jaw drop dropping. This was a team known for its base running, even as recently as last year, they had solid base running. Now it, it's just gone. Everything that they, the, those little things that they were known for don't exist. And I, and, and what, what's, what's fascinating to me is that, how quickly it can flip, how quickly it can flip in the wrong direction. But then you look at the Cardinals, how quickly it can flip in the right direction. Cause I guarantee you, and I know that Cardinals people were talking about these same issues with the Cardinals a year and a half ago, uh, before they fired Matheny, before they brought in Schilt. I'm not saying that you change the manager and everything fix gets, gets fixed. Uh, there were some shrewd moves made and some things tightened up in different areas for the Cardinals, but uh, but that's, I mean, it can change quickly and we're seeing how quickly those little things just went, they're just disappeared for the Cubs. Yeah. I think if I was talking to a couple of St. Louis riders last night and we were kind of going over some of the Madden stuff. And I think a reasonable person 
could look at this team and say, hey, you know, Joe had a great run. Maybe you kind of get a, a mulligan season because he has all these other strengths as a manager. I mean, if he leaves tomorrow, uh, he'd be a probable Hall of Famer and, you know, one of the first probably free agent managers snapped up. But, and I think you also say, like, you know, maybe he helped kind of uh, – prevent things from totally falling apart this year. Um, but that's not how the messaging of the front office has been at all since a couple months into the 2017 season that they clearly look at, uh, instead of a floor with this team, they look at the ceiling and they feel like it has not um, been reached at all, uh, even though, there was not a whole lot of improvement made, made improvements made from last year's 95 win um, campaign. So we've talked about it uh, for for months now of all these interconnected issues that are really hard to just pull out like one transaction or decision <clears throat> or person, but it's clearly uh, falling on kind of Joe Madden's shoulders and he as always conducted himself uh with class uh what could have been his final two press conferences in the uh Wrigley Field interview room um he was uh you know engaging funny thoughtful philosophical um all of these things but there are certain areas where the Cubs have slipped and that kind of falls under uh the manager's responsibilities and when your contract is up uh, at the end of the year it's going to be this kind of natural breaking point um, and at this juncture I think it would be far more of a surprise if he came back than if he leaves yeah I think that um, I'm glad that you added that last part because I think be, since we're in that mode right now where people are frustrated and they are sort of coming to grips with the reality that this season is going to end in a very disappointing way, everything becomes, even if not explicitly couched in a blame game, everything is thought about as, well, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? And so when you try to have the conversation about the managerial role vis-a-vis -vis these mistakes and these issues that we're talking about, it, it people have a way of sort of hijacking that conversation into, well, yeah, but you're not going to fire Joe Madden, the best manager in Cubs history because of the players failures and, and the front offices failures and all this. And it's like, but that's not really the conversation. You can at once believe that Madden has done an admirable job these last two years with what he's been given and the injuries he's, his teams have faced. And also think that now that he is going to be a free agent, Maybe it's time to move on. Uh, it, this is not about blaming Joe Madden, firing Joe Madden, about saying that this is the change that is needed. It's just taking a step back and saying, okay, we're at a crossroads right now. This guy is has been absolutely fantastic. He's going to be a free agent. It's almost like you think about it with any player. It's, it's like, okay, but, but is he the right guy to bring back right now for this team in this place? And certainly, I don't think any of us as um, commentators and then even as fans should let the front office off the hook in so far as they make a change and we say, okay, cool, that was the thing that needed changing because I think it's crystal clear at this point. And I know that the process is already underway, but there are significant changes needed throughout the organization under the hood. 
um, that are probably going to take a little while to bear fruit. They were probably behind the curve uh, when they shouldn't have been a couple of years ago. Um, that that needs to all play out too. And so I just think that we all are going to need to be cautious when and if, because uh, I agree with Mooney, I think it would be a big surprise if Madden is back. If and when that transition happens, I think that uh, it's going to be really unfair if anyone acts as though, one, it was like a firing of Joe Madden, just not accurate, or two, Madden was to, you know, to blame for these issues that we're talking about because it runs a lot deeper than just the manager. And I don't even mean the organizational stuff I'm talking about. I'm also talking about the fact that this coaching staff has had a million different iterations in the last three years. And I know that these are big boy players who are all professionals, but it cannot be good for the development of these like mid-level players to have 60 different voices in their ear every year, changing everything um, because you're trying to, um, get that next little edge and it's like, Oh, well, this hitting coach didn't quite connect. What about this one? Oh, no, not quite. Not quite. How about this one? That just can't be good for these guys. And so, um, I just, I hope that when the transition happens with respect to Joe Madden, if it does, that people can just have a little bit more sophisticated headspace about what, his performance meant to the organization, what the transition means and what else needs to be done. Yeah. I think all of that is true. You're right. You can't dismiss what Joe Madden has done. I also think I I look at it a little bit differently than you, when you say uh, he's not to blame, I almost feel like nobody is absolved of blame here. This is everyone's fault. Like everyone needs to own their chunk of what's happened here and and that that doesn't you know i'm not saying that it's all on joe i'm just saying he's he's part of this the players are a the main part of it in my in my view uh they did not perform uh the front office did not made far too many mistakes didn't provide the depth needed to back these guys up when injuries came about uh the ownership did not provide funds in the middle of a year of contention cycle of contention because oh this is the budget oh hey we you know how could you criticize us for having the third highest budget well you came into a season with clear flaws and you cried poor because well we spent enough already that should be good enough well we knew it wasn't good enough I don't care what had happened there were obvious flaws that Theo repeatedly pointed out during the offseason. It wasn't like Theo was like, no, no, we're we're perfect and I don't need to improve this team. We're good. I don't need any more money. What he he was open about what they need. And then he's like, ah, but he massaged the message saying, well, we can figure out ways to fix these holes with the budget that we've been handed. Sure, that's his job. But it's also completely unrealistic to suggest that that's the way you fix these things during a cycle of contention. I, I think that's that's laughable. Uh, I think that the players not stepping up and performing at a high level when when they've proven that they can is is really hard to watch. It's frustrating as an observer of baseball that that's just I mean, day in and day out, we, we lived it. We saw what it was and it was uh, almost, you know, every other week. We're seeing these disappointing performances from a group that you expect so much more from. Uh, and I do think there's some that goes on Madden. I do think that when as much as Theo Epstein may want to say it, it, it's not what he was saying, when when you're talking about a sense of urgency, where is that supposed to come from? Who sets the parameters for that? 
it's usually the manager. I'm not saying that Joe needs to go in there and fire the troops up. I'm saying that there Joe's lax attitude, which at times I love and and I do think like for me personally, I think that works. I just don't know if it was the the right voice at this point in time. And maybe part of it is guys took advantage of it or guys developed, uh, you know, under this and just kind of enjoyed that freedom. And there was maybe it was a lack of that player that was willing to kind of turn to the guys next to him and say, hey, what are we doing here? You know, like Rizzo's the guy that loosens everybody up, right? He's he's. I loved how he came back. I loved the way he kind of played around even with his ankle injury. There was the cart and he, he dressed it up. It was a it was should have been this moment where everyone had their heads in their hands and saying, How do we move past this now? And he somehow made it lighthearted. I appreciate that. I wonder if there's the guy that when things do get bad and people need to be like woken up almost Where's that guy in the clubhouse? I'm not saying throw tables over. I'm not saying it, there's there's just needs to be that balance. There 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 needs to be different types of people in the clubhouse to do that. Uh, of course, it's not the main issue. There, you know, ultimately it comes down to perform on the field, and and a guy, uh, the right clubhouse leader, isn't the, the difference maker in my mind. I'm just saying these are all different little things that we're missing. And, and that's why I put it on everyone. I, I don't want to take away blame from a single person uh, for what these results have been. I just wanted to circle back to something Brett said, and I agreed with pretty much everything he said except for it's not a firing because to Joe Madden, it'll absolutely feel like that. And the way he's been talking uh, about how he expects a good result, how he's kind of gone along with the program and tried to make these different um, adjustments and while it may make sense and it's maybe it's a technicality but you know if the Cubs get rid of Joe it will be he's fired and that will be kind of the kind of epitaph to his time in Chicago and I agree with pretty much everything you just said there Sadev too it's just hard for me to say like these guys quit on Joe or that, you know, I think we obviously wrote about the whole idea of urgency and more edge. And I think there was something to that, that, you know, kind of like the 85 bears, uh, the 2016 Cubs had kind of left this, uh, kind of legacy of, uh, maybe entitlement to a certain extent. Uh, I think the Cubs kind of coddle their players to a degree. Um, but when you see, Chris Bryant, you know, uh, you know, running and, uh, you know, spraining his ankle and, you know, crumbling to the ground and hobbling off the field the same way Anthony Rizzo did uh, a couple days ago. And when, you know, I asked you Darvish about the dirt on his locker, he said, I threw everything and he picked up uh, pieces of the bottle, like the water bottle that he had slammed against the wall. I mean, these guys care and by and large you know a lot of these guys have produced i mean someone on twitter was asking sahadev and i about when is anthony i posted gonna be part of the conversation and it's like well look at what schwarber's done i mean like 40 and a 100 i mean you got bryant Baez, Contreras uh as all-stars rizzo does what rizzo does i mean jason hayward's best year as a cub nicholas castellanos obviously these things have not kind of meshed together but i think there's still 
an element of you want a better clubhouse, get better players. And, and I feel like, um, you know, the, the bullpen, the way that Joe's been kind of MacGyvering uh, his way through, there are nights where there just aren't uh, a ton uh, of great options. So, I don't know, I feel like I'm talking uh, in circles here, but I think that's exactly how the Cubs, like, front office – uh, the coaching staff, even the players to a degree, are, are kind of thinking about this. They're just kind of going round and round trying to wrap their heads around all this. And I think um, maybe something great will come out of, out of all of this, but I think there could be even more uh, kind of unintended consequences and the Cubs overreact uh, the wrong way and they kind of lose um, a lot of what's made – uh, this a uh, you know great time to be a Cubs fan or a really interesting time for the media and a really successful uh, era in franchise history. Yeah, I, I do wonder if we'll look back um, on the 2016 team. I mean, it was always going to take something really special to win it all. Like I, I don't mean to put too much of like a metaphysical gloss on it, but I, I really do think it was going to take a, a really really special club to be able to finally win. Perhaps that's true of every World Series winner. But I do wonder if, you know, because of the nature of what it was to overcome that, the extent to which you had all oars, not only pulling in the same direction, but just pulling so aggressively at the margins of their lives to uh, make this happen. I think that um, Theo Epstein indicated this after that championship, that it's it's hard to make sure that you you don't fall into certain traps after that. And I think the word, you know, as for as much as urgency became the word the buzzword uh, almost a joke at the start of this season, I wonder if complacency is going to become the 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 word that people question now as we look to try to figure out at an organizational level what happened in the wake of 2016 because you know baseball a lot of the issues that get real specific to what even you were talking about Mooney with like um, some individual performances are really good but it's like what's happening with the bullpen and how do they they keep trying to shoestring it together and it's like well but that happens because you're not developing young pitchers at a rate that keeps up with the churn at the big league level to make sure that you have lots of breakout relievers coming available at the times that you need and that kind of stuff happens years before. Uh, of course, we have these wonderful stories about a Brad Wick or a, a Kyle Ryan that you can sort of put together in a year. But uh, the reality is that development is a year over year over year process. And it does make you wonder, did in some ways, did the organization get its lunch eaten the last few years as other <laughs> orgs were more aggressively figuring out edges that the Cubs didn't figure out. And I don't think I'm being too hard on them and asking these questions because I think everybody's going to have to be asking these questions now. And I think that um, that goes back to, I guess, my point on the Joe Madden stuff. And I guess we'll button that part up here, which is that he's, of course, not blameless because he's part of that infrastructure, too. Um, I think, as you guys have noted, for as much as we talk about the current mold of manager being someone who's got a great line with the front office, Joe Madden basically does. And so that's really not been the issue. And I think he's a part of this entire structure. And in that regard, he merits some of the blame as well. 
It's just that um, I think that there's a, a bigger picture look to be taken, even as we will necessarily get hyper-focused on the roster construction element in the coming weeks, because that's what we do. Um, yeah, I think that I just I feel like it's going to become more clear with the the goggles of history looking back that overcoming that challenge of a post-century defining win like the Cubs had in 2016, I think that the Cubs probably failed in a lot of respects to navigate that that very, very, very significant challenge. I ain't mad at them for it necessarily because I think it was probably really hard, but I do think that we'll probably see that there were some failings there. Yeah, and what Patrick touched on about how you know, this this offseason, it could go either way. You don't want to overreact, but you also can't sit still, right? So every decision that they're going to make is going to be critical in a sense that they're going to be – I see it on Twitter where people are just like, well, you can't trade this guy. It's just not going to happen. I, I think the fans need to accept that there's going to be someone moved that they're – that they may be surprised, wow, they, they even considered moving that guy. They're at least going to be listening. They're trying to figure out how to reshape this roster. And when you don't have a ton of value to go out and get what you want, and you're not, it, it, we don't know what the money situation exactly is going to be. It, it, at, we I assume it's going to be better than last offseason, but we still don't have a situation where we know that they're going to be, you know, aggressive with Garrett Cole or aggressive with Anthony Rendon. It, it may still be that, that that second tier, which could include Nicholas Castellanos. We don't know how much he's priced himself out of their range, but this isn't going to be a, a spending spree. At least I don't envision that yet, but things can change like they did uh, last year. Obviously at this point we thought they would be spending. Uh, but my point is they, there are going to be moves made that will raise some eyebrows in all likelihood and they have to nail those moves. You cannot screw up a move. You know, uh, hypothetically, if you're moving Chris Bryant, yeah, he may have two monster years in his remaining deal, uh, and you have to live with that. But the return has to be perfect. You have to get the exact right guys here. You have to rely on pro scouting. Uh, yeah, my. Can you guys hear me or no? I got you. Okay. Uh, so, so I mean, you have to rely on pro scouting. You have to rely on research and development. And if that doesn't, you know, if they don't nail these moves, then this is going to, this is going to fizzle out quickly. So there, there's going to be a lot of change, and there's just going to be a lot of pressure on the front office to make sure that they have what what they haven't had in a while. Frankly, is a near perfect off season. All right. Well, I think that probably is about as far as we can take it right now. Um, these are conversations that transcend the very end of this season and will bleed into the start of the off season and beyond necessarily. I think it is a, if for as, I don't know, I hope I don't, uh, come off as hostile, but for as I think, um, energetic as I am to dig into these issues, I do think that, uh, there are a lot of opportunities ahead for all the reasons that Sahad have said. I mean, they've got to nail these moves. Yes, but there's an opportunity to really um, transform things in a positive way in the coming months. Brett, and so I, I yeah, I just want to interrupt you real quickly because I just realized we was. Did you intentionally make sure we just barely talked about these past four games? Was this to save your mental state and like to get to help you, you know, go on with your day? 
<laughs> at first I was like, is he, is this an off the record? Is he about to say, like, I thought you were going to go, hey, Brett, did you intend to say that this move is going to happen? Because that was really, uh, that, that was a private convo. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I mean, like, of course we could talk about the, the micro specifics of these games, uh, but, and I didn't intentionally elide over a lot <laughs> no, of it. We, I, just, we sort of like I, I know you did we did we, 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 like, we transitioned yeah. quickly but we transitioned I, quickly I, and it wasn't me it I, was it was Patrick by the way who transitioned I, 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 I just want to say that uh, watching Saturday's game even though I knew a split wouldn't have mattered anyways that was just one of the most I, I can't imagine that that's one of those moments where you know, you know how I transitioned from being a big fan to like it's kind of doesn't affect me in that way anymore because I'm not a fan. I'm I'm there every day and I, I'm doing my job. And that was one of those moments of like, oh boy, I am glad I'm not a fan anymore because <laughs> I feel sorry for all of you guys right now because that was brutal. It, it happened so well, fast that I barely saw it. Yeah. Well, so t- you know the the story on that for me at least is uh, so I was watching the game and. Uh, so Kibrel comes in, pitch, pitch, game over. Uh, as soon as he gave up the second one, I said to my wife, I said, uh, we, we had a sitter who was already there. And I was waiting uh, for the game to end because I was going to do the, the oh, post-game no. stuff. And as soon as that second ball left, I just turned to her. I said, you know what? Let's just go. And uh, we went out to dinner and had a nice dinner. And I didn't even, I had no idea what happened in the bottom of the ninth. Cause I, I mean, you always, everybody always says this kind of thing in hindsight, but I feel like I knew. And I was like, I'll cover this later. Cause that was it. I mean, yeah, like you said, I knew a split probably wasn't going to make a difference, but there's always that little part of you that's like, well, but if they can, maybe the wild card, maybe this. But as soon as that, Gosh, as soon as that second ball left, I was like, well, that was it. That's the that is the punctuation mark on this season. And I don't really feel like feeling this right now. <laughs> I've been frustrated too much with this team. So I just I went and had a nice dinner instead. So maybe that answers okay. your question about. Uh, yeah, no, I quick, just wanted I felt like if we I just felt like if we didn't touch on that, because that may be the biggest loss since uh, non playoff loss since 2004. Right. Like late season where you're just like, okay, there's still a chance for the wild card. Let's split this series, sweep Pittsburgh, and see what happens, right? And and yeah. and that was I just th- like one of those, my lord, I can't believe I just watched that. But I kind of do believe it because we probably, many of us could have predicted it. But holy cow, I can't believe it unfolded that way. Just, I well, mean, it's just, just that game in general. All it's the such horse shit because, yeah, Tony Kemp hits a freaking <laughs> pinch at home. Are you kidding me? That's what gives <laughs> them the lead. Bach striking out on a buck. It and was then, amazing. And then they lose. Yeah, it was. I mean, so certainly. So yeah, yeah, I can feel like the hairs on my back are standing <laughs> up because I'm getting riled up. But it's like, um, I think because of the way the whole series played out and the importance of it and the fact that it was all these one run losses to the Cardinals at Wrigley with this critical ending coming. I think that his like we will remember it as a collective. I think we'll look back and be like, that's when the season ended. Was that oh my god, you remember that four game series sweep they lost? But you're right. If you're picking out a game where it's like, wow, that is just I think I think my tweet at the as soon as the second home run went out, my like sort of goodbye was 
um, you couldn't write this. Well, you could, but it would be too cruel. And that's yeah. that's what I think about it. Is like if the baseball gods were penning the script of this of this season and the series in that game, it's like okay, how can we really really fuck <laughs> these people up? Okay, make Tony Kemp so hit a pinch cruel. hit home run to center field. Uh, and oh, by the way, make it a fun event where like a Cardinals fan catches it and he's high fiving everybody, and it becomes this joke. He trades jerseys with a Cubs fan. Ha ha ha! Ooh, this is great. And then two pitches into the ninth, Craig Kimbrell, like, what the uh, fuck just happened? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank fans. you for, gosh, tough. thank you for bringing this up. We were almost through this podcast, and it was like a nice sort of like cool, we're going to transition into the future. This is good. And now you've got me all just freaking just stacked up and angry. Uh, I'm going to pull a U Darvish and throw my dirt-covered spikes against the wall. I got to go cover my spikes in some dirt. Um, to do that, but <laughs> Go to that. I got to yeah. buy some spikes too. Um, <laughs> anyway, other than that, good stuff. Good, good pod. This was a good pod though. I will say. And, uh, I thank you folks for listening. It is, uh, certainly on a selfish level. It is a bit therapeutic to talk through this stuff as much as I joke. And I do think, like I said, I think it's, I think it's going to be a really interesting transition into the off season. And I do look forward to continuing to chat about that stuff with Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney read their great stuff at the athletic, including they have a combined write-up of sort of the, the, what was the whole homestand and, and not only how it went, but how it um, evokes what is to come and what is uh, what we've seen from this team. So check that out. Great read. I'm Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation and you can catch us here on onto Waveland every Monday and Thursday. And we will uh, talk to you again soon. Don't forget, these Monday episodes are the ones that you can get for free on your favorite uh, podcasting service. So look for it there. If you want the uh, super-duper premium awesome Thursday episodes, however, go ahead and subscribe to The Athletic. Check us out. Uh, We'll see you again soon. We'll see you for that Thursday one. Thanks, everyone.